0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe.
1: Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode, the second episode for the week of the Believe in UCLA football podcast. My name is James H. Williams, a reporter and editor for the Orange County Register and the Southern California News Group. And as always, I'm joined by my co-host, former UCLA linebacker Josh Woods. Josh, we just turned on the the Zoom. You're wearing a hoodie. And I was like, I'm I'm, I'm bitter from the jump. Like, I, I wasn't happy about it. I'm looking at my Apple Watch. It says 104, and you're sitting here in a hoodie. I know you're not in California anymore, but explain yourself
0: the pacific northwest is pacific Northwestern. and it started a little bit to start getting cloudy and rainy um even though it, it, the weather kind of got good and it should be good the rest of the week and the mornings are pretty brisk so you know i start my day in a hoodie usually end up out of it but i'm still in it right now so it is start- what it is
1: yeah, it is what it is. Easy for you to say when you he start throwing words like brisk around and it was 50 degrees in the morning. Now it's 70. And I'm sitting here. I don't want to say the word dying, but I'm I'm uncomfortable at 104. Um, yeah. Anyways, aside from that, he is wearing a UCLA hoodie, so I'll give him uh, credit for that. Always representing his school, no matter where he is at, whether he's Always. in Canada or back in the States. But with that being said, we mentioned UCLA. That's what this podcast is about. Um, They got an HBCU coming to town this week. Uh, Alabama State um, is going to be playing against UCLA in the Rose Bowl on Saturday. Another 11 a.m. kick, I think. Or I think this one's 2 p.m. And I think the next one is uh, the final non-conference game is like at 11. Um, But, yeah, so. Um, It'll be the first time UCLA will be playing in HBCU. What are your, what are your thoughts when you first kind of hear that UCLA uh, USC and Notre Dame were the only three that had not played in HBCU Um, UCLA is playing in HBCU this week, next year. And you, I believe USC is also playing one. So in two, two years from now, Notre Dame, I think will be the only one to have not played in HBCU team from my understanding, your thoughts. Um,
0: You know, it's about time. I mean, of course, being on the West Coast, usually typical HBCUs are pretty far away, Mm -hmm. and I don't know how the budget works, and you know, traveling teams out this way and things of that nature. Um, But with the move, I mean, I think with Deion Sanders, like you know, Mm -hmm. at at Jackson, um, it kind of shifted the, I guess the the energy and the mindset college football. Mm -hmm. yeah for athletes of like you can you know especially typical majority of college football players are african-american so it's like Mm -hmm. um you can make it however far you want to make it no matter where you go you know and hbcus just need the resource and um i guess the spotlight to you know get these guys a chance and you see it with Dion still a number one recruit last year for Florida State. Yep, is on And just the impact <laughs> just his, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and just his impact he's had um on HBCUs and that culture and is giving guys opportunities that you know were getting overlooked before. So it's cool um of the AD to make mm-hmm. this happen.
1: Yeah, so I'll get into that in a minute, but just to follow up with what you said there, it was it was pretty neat because I'm, you know, I was out at the Rose Bowl the last couple years covering the games and stuff Um, because of the new role I have with the Orange County Register I'm uh, working from home and doing some editing stuff now but I'm still catching the game still going out to practices on occasion I'll be going out to a couple more UCLA games later this season but um, you know it was interesting I woke up a little bit earlier than I normally would to watch the UCLA football game and then I remembered there's more games. Like I. you get so wrapped up in, in the team you're covering or the team you're playing for, 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 you know, from the POV of a player, like you for sometimes you forget there's other football outside of your own little bubble. And it was nice because on Saturday I was watching a lot of the other different PAC 12 games and whatever the, the big games were. And then on Sunday, because the NFL hasn't started yet, um they had one bigger game in the evening. I think that was the LSU game. um with Florida state, but throughout the rest of the day, it was a bunch of HBCU games. And I was watching Jack, I was watching Jackson state um, and, and they rolled over their opponent. I think they are playing Florida a um, and uh and Travis Hunter, I believe who was the number one recruit you were referring to in the country and who decided to go to Jackson state over Florida state uh, was playing in that game, obviously starting as a true freshman um, was making some plays. I think uh, the one or two times the Famu quarterback did throw his way, um, he made him pay for it, and like I don't think they went to him again. So like he's making an impact early for that team as a true freshman. Um, obviously Dion's son is out there um, as a quarterback, and he's doing his thing as well. Um, so I it was good. I I liked it. That was really my first time being able, and, and again that you talk about the spotlight there. Um, by taking advantage of that Sunday, having a good little lineup of games for with HBCU schools on different channels. Um, and it was neat. And I think even um, – I think I remember – well, I, I think Alabama State, who UCLA is playing next week, I think I remember seeing them on TV during week zero. Um, I think they – they I forgot what school they played. but They played, they played. Uh, Howard. I was like – Did, did looking they? Right. Well, Alabama State played Howard. But South Alabama, I think, played somebody else. Or maybe uh, – well, they're not an HBCU. But still, just some – like you start seeing other teams – that you normally aren't gonna see. But no, yeah, just uh, real quick here as we do get to, to Alabama State, and then I'll I'll get to what Martin Jarman said, the AD for UCLA, because I did talk to him today. Um, and that was pretty pretty um insightful. But yeah, just a little bit on um Alabama State. They did have a win, as you mentioned, over Howard that was 23 to 13 in week uh, I guess zero. And then um Alabama State played miles university i'm not too familiar with them um but had another close one 21 to 13 so just looking at those scores i'm seeing that this um defense is holding opponents under 13 points obviously that might be a little different when they get to the rose bowl if zach charbonnet and dtr have a say at all um obviously as you would expect but um rightfully so chip kelly isn't wasn't is not going to disrespect anybody and i think he had a good quote and i'm sure you probably heard him say it before i think i have too um we respect all fear none so i thought that was good for for him to say and he's not taking any opponent lightly and and he mentioned that the defense he likes you know he's able to kind of see some synced um communication and and the guy's really kind of Playing as one in that defensive unit for Alabama State. But then he also mentioned that they have a, a dual quarterback system um, there for, well, not, well, they have two dual threat quarterbacks for Alabama State that play. And the one thing I found that was interesting is, well, he said there was like a little bit of a difference, even though they're both dual threat. One of them kind of has a package where he's running, um, where he'll run the ball maybe more so than pass compared to the other. But both of them are dual threat quarterbacks. But the one thing that stood out to me um, was when Chip Kelly was asked, like, under what situations or, or what would be the reason for one quarterback to be in over the other, he said he like he didn't know, which I thought was, you know, being an offensive guru that he is, he like just looking at the film and evaluating them, he's like there's no set reason why one quarterback is in for them compared to another one. Like he hasn't picked up on any tendencies, which I just kind of found to be interesting. Um, Cause usually a lot of that stuff when you watch the films, apparent, but I don't know. I'm not entirely sure if there's a quarterback competition there for Alabama state, or again, just different packages or different looks, just, just trying to confuse opponents and stuff. Maybe they're just trying some stuff out. Um, Considering the opponents, maybe they're playing um, in the first two weeks, but I just thought it was kind of interesting, and, and maybe that's something to keep an eye out for. Now, do I expect this game to be close? No, <laughs> but then again, did we expect Bowling Green to score on a punt uh, very early on in the or on a punt return or while well, they blocked the punt um, that early in the first quarter? No, so so we'll see how this game plays out. But yeah, Josh, I just think it's it's um, it's just pretty exciting to have an HBCU come in. And just again, well, well, I guess you you kind of answered that. I was going to ask you just again, what are your thoughts on, on US UCLA playing in HBCU? Um, and, but you kind of answer that. So I'll go with this question uh, or we'll, with, with this kind of, these comments. And I know I keep saying I'll, the thing about Martin Jarman. I'll get to that in a minute. Actually, we'll, we'll do the Martin Jarman thing. Um, much like some of the UCLA players, DTR being one of them, Martin Jarman. Um, one of the things that I, that I told Martin Jarman when I was talking to him was, The first thing, one of the first few things I remember about him when he just became the AD at UCLA was that he took to Twitter and announced that they were playing these two HBCU schools. And he and he there was a video of him signing this contract, these two contracts at once um, to make those games official. Um, For those who don't know, they had um, games lined UCLA had games lined up with Michigan, uh, but Michigan backed out of those games for whatever reason. Um, I think just maybe just to pick up another opponent or something. But. Um, So backed out of the game with UCLA and a a short notice and cut and with college football scheduling is like a year or two out. So um, it was kind of a scramble for whatever has worked for UCLA to find an opponent. And um, just based on the options that were available that late in the process, um, Alabama state was the one who comes in this year and fills that spot for what would have been the Michigan game. So um, that's how that kind of came about. But much like you said, I, Martin Jarman was you know he was kind of surprised that there were, that UCLA hadn't played in HBCU yet but he thinks you know it, it things worked out the way that they do and it was a good time to try and get an HBCU in the mix and and play that um to play against an HBCU and uh much like the players said as I mentioned I think DTR and I think Gary Smith uh, was another one they said they're, they're kind of disappointed that they had to be in the locker room during the game or during halftime because they want to hear the band play. And I think that's one of the cool things about the HBCU experience is the band playing. And um, Martin Jarman mentioned that as well, that the whole band is going to be there. I guess there will be enough um, or some sort of representation for the UCLA bands uh, for the UCLA band to be in there. They're going to do some sort of collab together. It sounds like at halftime. Um, So that'd be kind of fun, but um, have you, Uh, I think you I think you mentioned like in our very first episode when I asked you like what schools you were considering or something. I think you mentioned you had some offers from HBCUs, um, HBCUs or maybe you considered it at one point. Anything, nothing like or those were Ivy League schools, I think you said, right? Ivy League schools. Would you would you ever consider or would you have ever considered an HBCU or did it ever like kind of cross your mind the thought of? of anything like that i think the, the thing is we don't get a whole lot of we don't have a whole we don't have hbcus out here so maybe that's not even something on your radar but just looking at yeah, how I things are think, trending i don't now, know
0: one i don't know one hbcu that was re- recruiting socal like i all. don't know any yeah i don't know any other recruits at the time in our area that were even getting letters from yeah hbcus and, and it's like um you know i grew up with my family's over there so like oh, okay. you know i've mm-hmm. thought about um like, my brother took some trips to some, so that was my first, like...
1: Okay, so you, you have know, been on the campuses myself.
0: or, or I learning? I haven't through okay. him, yeah. But, like, yeah. I mean, I always, like, I thought always going to Howard was cool. Like I, I thought I did research and looking to go into grad school at one of those schools. Gotcha. not okay, non-football related by, like, right, I was looking right. at, you know, Howard and some of the other ones. And, I mean, I have a teammates up here that uh, uh, went to some HBCU, so... Oh. Okay. the culture of it just is always seems so cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and you definitely, you don't get to experience any of that at some of these, uh, predominantly white institutions as they right. are called, um, where African-Americans is such a small percentage of the, you know, of the school. Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like a lot of those experiences, you don't get to get to have that you would at, you know, an HBCU. So, yeah, it sucks that they have to miss out on that halftime show because I just like it's, that's <laughs> yeah. it's kind of in a way kind of like a once in a lifetime scene HBCU in the Rose Bowl. Yeah. I guess a once in a lifetime uh, occurrence. Really, hope well. Hopefully, not. It continues.
1: But... Yeah. Well, they're going to be back next year. They're, there's going to be not Alabama State, but an HBCU next year. I think. Uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to get it wrong, but I think they're from Tennessee or something. But maybe it'll be the start of something. And I think that that was like one of the things uh, Martin Jarman wanted to get across to me was like it's kind of, it's a historical thing. And it's something where, um, you know, it works as great exposure for the HBCUs, but it may also bring those who are from HBC HBCU schools, um, you know, whether there's alumni out here in California and they never had a reason to come to a UCLA game or come to the Rose bowl. Now that might help attract some of that, that kind of crowd and maybe just bring in a, a different vibe. Right. And so, um, that's pretty, pretty interesting. And, and you make a good point too, about like you not knowing any guys in SoCal that may have received a letter or anything, just looking at the roster. And it was brought to my attention. Um, they only have, I think one SoCal guy on Alabama state's roster. And it's Mikey Victor, who's a defensive uh, back. And he transferred in from Ventura junior college last year. Uh, he pl- So he played at Ventura junior college last year and was originally from Pomona high school. So, um, and IE guy, um, in some regard there. Um, so yeah, he, you know, and even then he, it's not like he went straight out of high school into an yeah. HBCU program. It, it was, um, it was just an interesting experience for me just being able to watch it. And, uh, I'm, I'm kind of sad in a way that I'm actually not going to be out at this game. Um, just Dang. because, you know, as two African-Americans, I, I think that would have been a cool experience for us again.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: Not being able to to see that, but I'm just kind of moving on. Also so too,
0: Oh, about saying, it's going to be like an awesome experience for those guys, for Alabama yes. state, for those players mm-hmm. To Some may have never been to California, been in LA. So they're mm-hmm. going to, you know, get to come and experience LA, get to experience the Rose Bowl, yep. get to experience a TV game. You know what I'm saying? Certain mm-hmm. things where, yeah, like the even the band too, just like, you know, broadening their horizons and seeing things yeah. that they haven't been able to see yet. You know, if that's the case, and, All right. and like playing, playing a, a power five school, you know, just opens opportunities for those guys. Somebody this could be their shot where a scout coming to see UCLA guy,
1: uh, mm-hmm. sees a guy in Alabama state and now he starts recruiting. Yep. Yeah. Maybe say, you know, these guys are going to the portal or something. You never know. Um, or, you know, it, it, it can go either way. Or you, again, you know, a family's there. Maybe they're looking at some different schools, some different options and they say, Hey, why not in HBCU? They're playing games against UCLA. Um, so whatever the case may be, but um, I think just off the top of my head from what I read and I wrote about because I was I wrote about initially when Martin Jarman uh an- announced that they were playing HBCUs like a year or two ago. Um, and I just looked back at that article and it said, I think that I think it's Alabama State or one of the one of the two HBCUs they'll be playing, whether it's the one this weekend or next weekend. I, I think it's the Alabama State band for this this team. Um, for this university i think they were in one of beyonce's videos like from from the lemonade album um, i think they participated in the rose parade before but like not actually performed in the rose bowl so again still a cool and unique experience yeah. for them and and obviously so this is probably like a new group of students anyways um so a lot of them maybe didn't even participate in, in that rose parade whenever they did have that opportunity so i think it's pretty cool and again when you just think about it like there there's there's like 200 people in the band or something there's gonna be more they're they're bringing more people with the band than with the football team not that there's not because there is a limit on the football players but i because i think they're bringing all the football players too um it's just the band is so big and and that's just a commitment and and just an awesome experience again for everybody involved to come in come to california like you said being the rose bowl um i mean at the end of the day that's with sports and that's what college is about is to get these kind of experiences. And I think that's awesome that they're being able um, or being afforded that opportunity to do so. So, yeah. Um, anything else on that before we kind of jump into some other things that I've kind of learned or picked up on this week?
0: No, nah, I'm happy to have them
1: out here, but the
0: goal <laughs> is still the goal.
1: Get the dub. No doubt about it. And that's the mindset of the players and Chip Kelly, as I mentioned as well. And with that being said, I think one thing that you'll love to hear Um, was one, uh, I think Chip Kelly was asked, and it may have been part of, yeah, it was like part of our conversation, or maybe it happened after our our last podcast, but Chip Kelly mentioned like three or four guys who stood out to him um, on film. He didn't, they didn't say on the defensive side or the offensive side when the reporter asked him this, but he named three defensive guys. Gary Smith, um, the third, Um, he mentioned Stephen Blalock. He said he had one of his better games as a Bruin, and I think he only had like uh, like it wasn't like necessarily an impressive stat line, but it was just what he was able to do off of the stat sheet that was impressive for chip Um, when it comes to Blaylock. And then he also mentioned uh, Darius Mwasau and, um and the opportunities um or, or the performance that he had. And, and one, one of the things I'm going to read a quote from Gary Smith um and then, and then maybe we'll play it on the podcast. Um, as well, if I'm able to get the audio for it, but this is what Gary Smith had to say uh, when I asked him about um, the defense and he said, or, or when he was asked about the defensive performance and he just said, uh, just getting out there and and seeing the defense um, or, or seeing, let me start that over. His quote is just getting to see the intensity we played with. I feel like we played with a dog mentality and that's how every defense should look anytime we step out on that field. As a former defensive Bruin, what are your what are your thoughts on that? On, on on this transfer coming in and already having that dog mentality and liking that mindset that he felt he he him and his defense had um in the season opener against Bowling Green.
0: You love it. That's yep. what you yeah. You want everybody that's, especially as a defensive player, everybody gotta mm-hmm. have the dog. I mean, you want that and from your players and right. you know, in general. I mean, because Doran got that dog, you know, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Zach Sharmaign got that dog in him. But from a defensive, that's that's the expectation, you yeah. know, is to have that dog in you and to be a dictating and dominant defense. So I mean, no matter who the opponent is, like I said, or like what Chip is saying, like no mm-hmm. matter who it is, that should be the standard. So um I would love to see them continue to build on it, uh moving forward with these two non-conference games
1: and then go to impact to a play. Uh no, no doubt about it. And the word dominant. Um, and dominate and dominating those words have been used like quite a bit just amongst the players. And, and like, that's what they want. And that's the mentality that they have. Um, so that's good stuff to hear. And, and they're, they're, they're holding, holding themselves to that standard of play um, which I'm sure you appreciate. Um, I'm just trying to look for some other stuff here on my notebook that I had. Um, Michael Um did, kind of limp off the field at one point during the game and i don't think he was seen at practice like on monday um i think he was back i didn't see him out there on tuesday when i was at practice but i think he was out there on wednesday um or at least kelly said he was going to be out there now whatever that exactly means i'm not sure but he would um you know i don't think it's a long-term injury i think we'll probably see michael azike try to give it a go um this saturday um logan loya And Cam Brown were both back at practice as early as Monday. I saw them again out there on Tuesday um, working with the returners on the special teams drills. Everything looks good to go there. Um, We talked about in the episode earlier this week about uh, Jake Bobo and where they stand with him. Sounds like he's still going to be the punt returner. They're comfortable and confident with him. We saw him returning some punts. Uh, no worries for those who had any concerns about Jake Bobo. He was looking good. He was catching every ball kicked his way um no concerns there when it comes to Jake Bobo on special teams um trying to see what else we have before maybe we get into some uh national just kind of broader topics um oh Mafi and uh, Zach Charbonnet spoke to the media today on wednesday and um and uh Moffy was was uh was talking to the media first and i guess zach charbonnet was like behind um just waiting to talk to the media after and and ben bullich asked <laughs> moffy he's like um what like you know what did you think about uh being able to scoop up and pick up that first down and also getting that um and and, and teaching the guys how, how to run the ball there in that backfield and he's like yeah you know it was it was, it was light work more more. i'm paraphrasing but he said more or less it was, it was light work and and you know all, all the guys, including Zach Charbonnet, all they got to do is just watch my tape, and, and and you know, and they'll get it down. So my, Mavi, Mavi, was 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 funny, but you know, he said his rugby background um, did did help him a little bit. He said he just saw the ball there, and and his first instinct was just to pick it up and make sure he didn't fumble it himself because he's seen quite a few big guys that get in that opportunity. Maybe they panic or they don't have a a good grip on the ball when they're trying to pick it up, and they fumble it again. So. Um, but he gave, he gave the running backs credit and said, it's a lot different than rugby, uh, just because you're doing it with the helmet on. Right. So, um, so he's like, yeah, I told the running backs, like you have to have great vision. He said his vision wasn't great just because of the helmet. And you know, some of those guys probably had the bar down the middle of their face or whatever, um, the case may be, but, um, it's kind of like what you said i think when you said you you maybe touched uh base with Maffi there a little bit was he said he didn't even see the defender like coming his yeah. way he was just so you know he had the ball and was just trying to move down the field he said he didn't even see the dude who tackled him he came out of nowhere and i was like that's kind of what josh said happened so i just thought that was pretty funny and and um just pretty um you know honest answers there from Maffi, but um yeah, he he said hey, he he would have been open to to getting a package but uh chip kind of shut some of that down not because he had to, not because he he didn't maybe wouldn't consider having Mafia there but just because the number uh, just because his number it's a lot different than the NFL where um as long as you report the number then that guy can be eligible but that's not a rule in college football which is something I didn't necessarily know. So, um Yeah, so Mafi's not going to be getting a package unless maybe they switch uniforms or switch jersey numbers. But obviously, I don't think that'll be something happening in the middle of an offensive series um, anytime soon. Uh, Zach Charbonnet was also um, felt good with his performance in in the season opener and had good things to say about Keegan Jones and the speed that he brought and and that he displayed during his uh, touchdown uh, there in that game. And, you know, much like what Chip Kelly said, the mentality is not any different and they're you know they're not going to allow any opportunity to fall off just because this is an HBCU or or just an Alabama State team right they're they're not taking them any less um you know than they would anybody else also you know we talked about weather at the start of the show and and the heat that impacted the game in some degree last week um there's a chance it might rain <laughs> on Saturday at the Rose Bowl um so i think chip kelly may normally be does this anyways and you can maybe fill me in if this is the case but um the guys have been working on with wet balls at least this week they have um maybe preparing for the rain you know the running backs and getting those centers uh getting the centers ready to snap with wet with a wet ball and maybe having dorian um work on throwing a little bit but is that something you guys would normally would normally be doing at any point during the week or have a period for that at all
0: or um yeah I mean Chip will get you ready for whatever he thinks the elements will be for the week, just mm-hmm. so you're not going into the game unprepared and um shaken by you know right. Just it's it, it's in a way it's not like another another situational thing. The way we work situational drills at mm-hmm. practice and situational situations, like you know.
1: Yeah, no, and and again, I think the the point too, um why I wouldn't be surprised if this is something Chip does like normally because Um, It doesn't it doesn't have to be rain for it to be a wet ball situation, right? It could just be sweat. It could be whatever, uh, whatever the case may be. Um, There's several reasons in which a ball can get wet. And if that's the ball that's out there, that's the ball you play with. You're not necessarily in a situation where you can tell the ref, hey, can you switch the ball out? Right. You got to play with with what's out there on the field. So um, just good stuff from from chipping the guys being prepared for everything. Um, Unless you have anything else on just UCLA in general that you want to. Uh, mentioned or referred to i do want to kind of touch on um on oregon and the ap and then maybe even some college football expansion talk if if you don't have anything else on ucla i mean i've been hearing
0: about this fan thing from Mm -hmm. people all week the Um, attendance thing yeah it's understanding with the elements and the time i don't expect you know Mm -hmm. attendance i think will be a little bit better this week because the band and because last week, if people are saying it, it's embarrassing, more people right. come out. But with the rain, that also, too, could factor yeah. in this week because, <laughs> like I said, so I wouldn't be expecting fans until Pac-12 play when school's back in session. So mm-hmm. let's not even try to make that a headline yeah. and worry about that yeah. again this
1: week. Yeah. They were talking about on national radio and everything else. They talk about Oregon, Georgia, this and that. And then, like, their final segment on all these radio shows would be like, did you see the Alabama – did you see the UCLA crowd? And I'm like – I'm just like listening in the car, like ready to switch the channel. Cause I'm like, dude, you guys, you guys talked about this last year during the Hawaii game, and like this stuff all it's like this isn't new. This is just a thing. Like, get over it. Um, so it's just kind of a little annoying. I'm like, you guys finally talk about UCLA football like in a national spotlight, but it's just to talk about the attendance. So um, yeah, it is what it is. But just moving along, um, I kind of took my first <laughs> my first little attempt at doing my own little for whatever it's worth top 10 because uh, believe network is was um having us do like a top 10 all the different college football guys so i did mine and i think i kept utah in it i don't know if you have yours in front of you um i or if you remember what yours were I, i'll let me try and find mine and read mine off here real quick i did <clears throat> okay so i did have Oregon out of out of my top 10 um well Oregon was number ranked number 11 but I had Alabama one, followed by Ohio State Georgia Clemson I moved Texas A&M up Michigan up Oklahoma up Notre Dame up and Baylor up and a lot of that was because I moved Utah down but I only moved them to 10 um I've moved them to 10 too just to kind of keep them in the top 10 Uh, you know I had to explain to to some people, I'm like, maybe it's because I, I watched them in the Rose Bowl in January and the performance they had against Ohio State, even though they didn't win the game, they they held up, they held their own and stuff. And you know, they have cam rising and stuff returning. I'm not just gonna go out there and knock them off completely just because they lost a game um against Florida, even though Florida was unranked. But Florida as a result of that win jumps right into it. And I think they're like at number thirty on the ap poll or let's see where do they put them they put them at 12 which i thought was like kind of a crazy jump just after one game but for whatever it's worth oregon falls all the way out of the top 25 from number 11 you but ouch but but you okay you tell me as a player and i know sometimes it doesn't matter a top 25 poll doesn't matter to you guys so maybe not even as a player but just your thoughts in general um if you're going to rank Oregon number 11 and put them up against number two, Georgia, or number three, I think they were number three at the time, Georgia, the defending champion, and three beats 11, even though they blew them out, what I kept them in, I would have kept them in my top 25. They would have maybe been like 18 through 25 somewhere, but they're, the le- they- they're technically team number 26 on the top 25 poll. Um, So they just fall out of the top twenty-five. But what do you think if you lose if you're a ranked team and you lose to another ranked team above you, should you still be in the poll? The
0: fashion that they lost was bad, but like looking at, but looking at the, uh, the top twenty-five,
1: it's like aren't they not better than still some of those teams?
0: It's like like Oregon's better than Houston. Oregon's better than Tennessee. Oregon's beating Wake Forest. Oregon's beating Old Miss, Oregon's right. beating BYU, Oregon's beating Kentucky, mm-hmm. Oregon's beating Wisconsin, Oregon's beating NC State. Like, or, like, there's a lot of these teams where I think, like, Oregon is beating. Yeah. But I think it was the fashion in which they lost, where they're going to have to redeem
1: themselves by working their way back up. Yeah. And even for Utah, I think a lot of people are just looking at them and saying, oh, they're like, you know, it's okay, but they have to win out. And we'll see if they'll be able to do that. Obviously they have to play USC and stuff still, but they it's not any easier for them. But again, they lost to a, a team that was not ranked and they're still in the poll. Um, where did it, They ended up going 13. So they fall right behind Florida, who was unranked coming into this. So again, it's just kind of weird. I'm just like, I don't get it. For me, if you have, I feel if you have two teams that are ranked, um, Especially if they're close, like if they're in the top 15 or whatever of each other, uh, if they're within the top 15, like you shouldn't fall out completely because, you know, one ranked team has to lose. And if you ranked them before this game, how would they not still be? They should still be ranked after. It's not like they they were upset by Buffalo or Idaho or something like that. Right. But everyone has their own poll and their own opinion. And and yeah. And for whatever it's worth, uh, UCLA had. One vote in the poll, so someone out there believes into believes in them. Uh, they had two votes in the in the preseason poll, so uh, someone was we not. Lost, yeah, we lost the fan. You <laughs> lost a believer. Yeah, you lost a believer um, nationally somewhere along the way. But I, I just think it's still good that they're still kind of in that mix in some regard, and to me, that means they're kind of in that top um, thirty, top thirty-five range as far as teams uh go but they still have a long way to go and a lot a long way uh in terms of um proving themselves once they get out of this non conference schedule but did you have your top 10 that you wanted to run through or if you wanted to share that if you don't that's okay I think it was it was
0: pretty similar to yours mm-hmm. uh the oh yeah yeah I think the only team I took
1: out was Utah You moved Utah out okay Who did you who did you have No um... I had Utah I had Utah at 10 okay yeah, Utah at ten. Yeah, that's right. Just kind of hanging in there. You know, if they lose again, then maybe I'll I'll bump them down. But I don't know. I think they're they're a team that doesn't that deserves to be a top twenty five team. Um, scratch that.
0: I did take them out. I put Oklahoma State at ten. Okay,
1: Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State's number eleven on the on the AP top twenty five poll. So you're so that works. I mean, they had them ahead of Utah as well. So you're you're not wrong on that. I kept yeah. I kept Notre Dame in the top ten. I kept that Notre yeah that was the one i kept in the top 10 i kept notre dame in two at number nine what they were the number uh
0: the number eight right now they were number number five last week though but
1: they were five right so yeah i mean who did they play was that they played ohio state State. yeah Yeah. so again you have two ranked teams and like they don't completely fall the face of the earth so people just
0: ohio state beats the number five team and still falls one spot down. yeah
1: and they fell one spot down because Georgia. Beats number eleven. So again, that's why. Like the poll doesn't make sense. Like it doesn't make it doesn't make sense. Again, for those who are unfamiliar, the the AP Top twenty five poll is. There's different reporters across the country who all submit um their ballots, and then it's a compile. Much like in recruiting, it's a compiled list of everyone's votes, and that's how the voting. You really have to out. watch every game. No one from the top twenty five teams exactly. That, that's the saying who is no watching
0: every single. Every single game before they're voting on this,
1: especially on the West coast.
0: Cause even my top 10, I didn't watch all of the games, yeah, but I watched can't, some you, of
1: those top games. You can't, it's impossible to right. Like, even if you're just, even if you have the remote control and you control of it and you can skip to the, like, it's just hard. Right. And like, unless the two teams line up together, like how else are you going to know? But you know, that's uh that's something we'll keep an eye on for. I think we'll continue. At least I know I will continue to try and keep track of my top 10 and And I'll try and share that with you guys here and on Twitter. Um, Josh, what's your handle real quick on Twitter? Underscore Woodsy, underscore J. And you can follow me on Twitter at JHW Reporter. Thank you guys so much for listening. And we'll see you guys back at the beginning of next week with a recap of game two. Thank you, guys.